Hello and welcome to the Dream Chasers and Changemakers podcast. Each week we bring you the inspiring stories of people who have gone through hell to reach their dreams and make change in their lives and the lives of others. My name is Ali Cardinelli. And my name is Betty Katikaburu. We really want to connect and for our audience to know us. So our main mission on the show is to bring people together through sharing our experiences and their experiences and connecting everybody. So this week, I asked Ali if she would be willing to give the DC and CM community some insight on her adoption story. You know, um, we have episodes where we interview special guests, but sometimes we just want to share more of our story. Um, all of our guests and everybody, everybody in the world has so much to say. So this is our platform to share everything we want to say that's been broken up into many different episodes. So this will be an episode on Ali's adoption story. She has mentioned in the podcast before, and I've asked her if she would be willing to give us a little more detail surrounding her adopting and reunification with her biological family. While that was happening in real time, I got to hear the play-by-plays and I felt such a wave of love, excitement, gratitude to be part of that monumental experience in her life. I'm so happy for Wi-Fi and for long distance calling because while the story was, like I said, it was a play by play. I got to hear so much of it. It was, I remember spots of like where I was on this planet when I was getting those text messages. It was so beautiful. So Ali, in as much detail as you're comfortable sharing, please tell our listeners, um, what you want to tell us about your adoption story. Okay. Um, so I, as our listeners know, I grew up in New Jersey and I have an older sister, Tonyelle, who has CP, cerebral palsy, and a really serious form. So it affects all the muscles in her body. And then I have Younger sisters who are 23 months younger than me, and they are twins. So I always had this feeling inside of me that I was really kind of different than the rest of my family, like even in strange ways. Like I'm very much more emotionally expressive, uh, phys- <laughs> physically expressive like I like to be hugged and touched and to hug and touch and um I had my grandma would have me cuddle in her bed and she would just like scratch my back and I loved that so much and I would go to my mom and try to touch her hair and whatever she's like oh I don't like that um (laughs) and so And before I really get into this, I just want to say my parents are the best parents that I could have asked for. Uh, When you hear more of my story, you'll hear that they didn't do everything, quote unquote, exactly right. But we need to remember that this was over 30 years ago that, you know, 
I was adopted and things were really different. The research isn't it isn't what it is now. Or the laws <laughs> or this process. So many things are different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my point is, and this took me a while to get to myself. So I want my listeners to know, like, my parents did the best that they could with what they had uh, at the time. And they did it all out of love. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So with that said, I will continue. So I didn't know I was adopted. They never told me. So the truth of the story, is one day one of my sisters was like having a full-blown tantrum, screaming like, I'm adopted. You're not my mom. You're not my dad. This isn't my family. She was probably like eight years old having like a (laughs) meltdown i think a lot of like kids go through that it's like um synonymous with the i'm gonna run away threat (laughs) yes yes and we did that too we packed our little hello kitty suitcases and we're gonna hit the road (laughs) so yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh so i'm just sitting i remember where i'm sitting in my bedroom um like my bedroom was on the corner and so what is it when someone's on the opposite corner caddy corner i don't know so my my bedroom was on one corner and then on the other side of the corner was my parents bedroom (laughs) um so i could hear everything that was going on in the room and i'm just like sitting on my bed laughing to myself i'm like thinking they're you know my sister's a twin so there's pictures of my mom's humongous pregnant belly all over our house at the time we hear their birth story we heard their birth story all the time they were one of the first cycle of like ivf babies in the country so it was really new technology when they were born i'm just like it is impossible that you're adopted and then i'm thinking i'm like wait i don't I don't know my birth story. (laughs) There's no pictures of (laughs) mom pregnant with me. And I knew I was born out of the country because we had gone on vacation and I had to travel with a green card. So before I was 13, um, I wasn't a naturalized American citizen yet. So I didn't have full American citizenship until I was 13 years old. Um, So this was sixth grade. So I'm about 11. So I don't say anything to anyone and I don't tell this part of the story a lot, but before it was confirmed with my parents, it was like a big thing in sixth grade for my group of friends to like have all these like tragedies going on and like go to the guidance counselor, like oh, fighting with my best friend. Like I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, those are real issues when you're in sixth yeah. grade. <laughs> yes, That's, it was a very, you know- very, very very real but i always like think about what did that guidance counselor think at that time because he always had all these little girls in his office like uh <laughs> yeah i mean he was trained like okay 11 year olds are gonna cry about this <laughs> yeah i think like i called a lunch bunch meeting so i went to the guidance counselor's office and i got a pass for like a bunch of my close friends to come with me to lunch bunch so that was like to eat lunch in the guidance counselor's office and i told them all "Uh, guys i'm adopted (laughs) and i and um 
And they're all like, oh my God, how do you feel? Blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. And it was just the biggest news of 1999. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and this was before it was confirmed. Yes. So I went in there, sure as shit. <laughs> now I'm thinking like, so, like this could totally get back to my parents really easily. So I better talk to them. <laughs> I that night I go to my mom's bedroom, and I say, "Mom, am I adopted?" And obviously she said yes. <laughs> So at that point, it was like, oh, oh, my God, I knew it. And I was really, really excited. Yeah. A lot of people ask, how did I feel at that time? It wasn't crying. It wasn't I wasn't upset. I wasn't like you lied to me. I thought I had the coolest thing about me. Right. Yeah. I had I had this like unique, interesting thing about me. It explained why I was so different than my family. Uh, and it was just like this cool exciting news i think it's just um a quick interjection it's more than just the hugging and touching guys it's because <laughs> those are the two examples you said but um it is a lot of fun little details that they can read about in your future memoir that um, <laughs> it's it was like a deep knowing of just every like like small, i'm different yeah just small events ways you know just it was a lot of things that it, it's outside of just the superficial even, yeah, yeah yeah and you knew yeah, it no, as a young child you knew it very young very young even younger than this I knew it like six years old I started my mom tells this story a lot that I was in the bathtub and she was in the bathroom with my older sister and I'm little like like I said, like six years old, I um, have bubbles all over me. I'm washing my little body. And I'm like, mom, I'm adopted. And Tonyelle, my sister, started screaming because she knew she was five years old when I was adopted. So it wasn't a secret from her. Yeah. She didn't say no, but she was just like, ha ha ha. <laughs> That's a funny wow. thing to say. Wow. Yeah, so then maybe like six years after that bathtub incident. Uh, oh, another thing. I had uh, this friend at summer camp when I was a kid and she was adopted. And I remember this so clearly. She had this big curly hair and freckles, this big brown curly hair. And we're sitting next to each other on the bus for camp. And she's telling me about how she's adopted. And I said, you know what? I think I'm adopted too, but... My parents didn't tell me. That's so insane. She said to me, no, your parents have to tell you. So you would know. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, I guess not. That <laughs> She says I'm not, so I'm not. <laughs> I don't even know. I remember her name, but I remember that incident on the bus. Yeah. So that night, my mom said, yeah, and that I was adopted from Brazil and that she thought I had some German heritage in me, too, which like really upset me at the time because I feel like I was just starting to learn about the Holocaust. And I was like, <laughs> German. <laughs> <laughs> which I still don't know if I have any German in me, but you have to do one of those things. 
those DNA tests. Yeah. Well, my mom, my mom's been like pushing me because she just did hers. Her, my dad and, uh, she and my dad just did theirs and like, that was really exciting for them. So they're like, you have to do yours. I have like the kit in my, uh, shopping cart on the website. I just haven't Aww. bought it. I don't my mom the next day she kept me she let me stay home from school and she took me to the mall you know she's her and my dad said to me this is like you're our daughter that's why we never we never told you we never wanted you to feel different than our other kids so that's where i'm saying their intentions were in the right place now the research does not support that um and I'll get later on in my story where that became tricky and really difficult. Mm -hmm. They told me not to tell my sisters. So, I mean, Tone, my older sister, Tonyelle knew, but then I have the twins. Uh, and so they said, don't tell them. Which I don't know how they thought that was going to work for <laughs> how long they thought that would last. <laughs> Uh, and, and eventually I did tell them, but I don't remember how long after, probably five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> when they got home from school. Yeah. I was like, I can't hold this any longer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they said it's nobody's business. Uh, it's our, you know, you're our daughter. Nobody needs to know. And it was kind of after that, like, let's not talk about it. And of course, I had a hundred million questions. Not at first. I'll say I didn't at first. It was really just like I said, I was a, a 11 year old girl. I was, you know, excited. Yeah, I was really excited. Like, oh, like this special thing about me. Well, because my older sister, like I said, has CP and not a special thing. Right. That's a special thing about her. And then my sisters are twins. So that's their cool, special thing. And like, finally, I had my cool, special thing. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that feeling of excitement. It's like that. Like, um, I match it to, you know, how when or at least I did this. But when you're little in middle school and maybe like fourth and fifth grade, you want braces because everybody has braces, but it's not cool. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> or like you want to break your leg so you have a cast. Yes. So, <laughs> so is that is that feeling of excitement? Or have you seen research about, depending on what age you find out, it's different emotions. Would like an 18-year-old react differently than an 11-year-old? That's a really good question. I don't, I honestly don't know. Okay, write it down. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea, to be honest with you. The research that I have read says our body holds memories. Mm -hmm. So being separated from your biological mother, whether that's right after birth, like it was for me. Or one year down the line or two years down the line. It doesn't matter if you're old enough to remember, like consciously remember. The, bo the body stores that memory and it's a traumatic memory because you're in the womb. You're in the womb for nine months. You're hearing a voice. You're sharing a body. That is the first connection to the world that we have. It's so beautiful. 
That's why you knew when you were six years old. Oh, yes, exactly. And the more I read about it, the more I was like, wow, wow, wow. And that's why that's why it's not evidence based that it's better to not tell an adopted child. So even though my parents didn't tell me because in their mind, they were doing the best thing. So I would never feel like I, quote unquote, wasn't their real daughter, which not for one second in my whole entire 31 almost years of existence have I felt other than 100% their daughter. Absolutely. And I've seen it. Yeah. It's, it, I've never even had a fleeting thought like that. And that's the truth. I've been angry at them for other things, but. <laughs> You've known that you stood out from them and you had different values and insights, but it was never like they treat me differently in a never, different way. Never, No, not for one millisecond of my life did I ever feel that way. So in case it's not clear, my other siblings are the biological children of my parents. Yeah. I'm the only one that's not biological. Where was I? Okay, so yeah, at that age, it was really, really exciting. A fun, cool little fun fact about me. And uh, it wasn't until in my like later teens that it started becoming more difficult because I really wanted to talk about it right I was getting older and like starting to want to process things more I think it made my parents really uncomfortable and when I would ask questions it was kind of like you know why do you want to talk about that for you're our daughter there's like there's no nothing else to talk about and I had a lot of questions about where I came from, how I wound up in this situation. Um, so what I did learn and what they did tell me is that I was born to um, a woman who... They said at the time, and this is another thing that could have been handled better, was the language that they chose. And we talked about language in the last episode. So this is a big lesson about how much language matters. They would say things like, you know, she didn't want you and we love you so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which like you tell a kid their mother didn't want them you're like well what's wrong with me and I was really too young to look at that statement critically and I think I internalized that in a lot of ways like wow like I wasn't wanted mm -hmm. which their point was but we love you so much right yeah. and I didn't I didn't really hear that yeah you hear the first part yeah, because, well, first of all, our brains are, like, wired to pick up negativity first. Mm -hmm. Um, But, let's see. So, yeah, my late teens, I was, like, the most angsty teen you want to find. Hmm. I had a lot of mental health problems, and I think I mentioned in uh, our third episode, too, when I told my battle with mental health like high school was really hard and i definitely think this played a big part into that mm -hmm. um it was unresolved trauma 
Yes, exactly. Um, and it really manifested itself in other ways and with other problems. So when I was 18, and I shared this in that lap- last episode too, that um, I went I went to rehab even though I really didn't have a problem with alcohol or drugs. It was more of like, I know I need help and like, why people go to rehab when they need help. Yeah. I did was involved in 12 step recovery for a little while. And it's so funny, the universe or God or whatever you want to call it. I think if anything, this is the whole reason. Like I went to rehab when I, that might not have been the program that I needed because I wouldn't have met this person. So for those of you that don't know, when you're in 12 step recovery, you have something called a sponsor, which is basically someone who's gone through uh, the steps of recovery and can guide somebody through that. And I had um, a sponsor who, this was all like a happy accident and like divine intervention from the universe. And so I had this sponsor and she, her job, quote unquote job was to, um, help me through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. But what she really did was something so much more profound for me. Um, So she has two sons and they're both adopted. Um, And so as we were getting to know each other, she told me that when she was younger, I'm not sure how old, but she was pregnant and she placed her baby for adoption so that was that was to meet someone Mm -hmm. and like look up to them as a mentor sponsor whatever and see them raising these beautiful adopted boys um was this huge mind shift for Mm me because my whole idea that I never really got to talk about was I have a biological mother that didn't want me, that didn't care to want to take care of me, Mm -hmm. that she didn't ask to meet my mom and dad because she didn't care about me. So I only had negative thoughts about the woman that I knew nothing about. And until I met this other woman through AA, like that's the only view I had of someone who gave and I don't say gave up for adoption anymore I say placed because it's not giving Mm -hmm. up it's making it's making and this woman taught me that when you place your child for adoption that's the bravest most selfless absolutely beautiful strong thing anyone can do for their child when they know that they can't give a life that a baby deserves. So I'm 18 when I learned this. It like filled me with so much love in my heart for my biological mother. And then this is where the resentment started to come in with my parents. You know, I I started to be mad. Like, how could you talk about her like that? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't even know anything. I need to talk about this. You won't let me talk about this. And of course, I'm 18. I cannot articulate 
how I'm feeling in a calm, yep. rational way. So it just, I really lashed out at my mom, especially. And that's been a lot of reckoning I've had to do with our relationship because I was really, really resentful uh, for a long time. And it wasn't until that I was in the hospital in Florida and they came down to visit me. I also mentioned this in the third episode that my, the therapist there really pushed for us to talk about this. And it was the first time in my life that, you know, anyone was like, you need, you three need to sit down and you need to like process this and talk about it. It was definitely that it was just inside of you. It was that unresolved trauma that needed to come out and, all these things were being put in your life in front of you to make you see it in a different light. It's making me how I feel exactly. about it. You know, you're sharing how first you were excited. Now you're angry. It's like you went through, it's not even grief, but you went through the stages just in a different order. And you just went through all yeah. the emotions in a different order, in a different way. And it all played into how and why everything's happened to you and the things you've been through yeah. just to resolve this yeah yeah and it's funny too because i'm reading um brene brown's book um uh rising strong mm -hmm. there's so many brene brown books that i love um and you know she talks about a lot about sharing the power of sharing our stories and she says that she doesn't believe that we should share stories until we are at peace with them yes mm -hmm. um and t and you know maybe even six years ago i wasn't i was not very much at, at peace um and and the reason she says that is because you know if who we get we haven't but gotten any negative comments but if someone listens to this and gives me a negative comment it's not going to affect mm -hmm. me because i'm strong in my story mm -hmm. and you know what is and what isn't exactly i know what is and what isn't i'm very clear about that right and then i went to florida and we had that therapy session and there was, I don't think in the history of my life, and I've been in a lot of therapy, has there ever been a therapy session that was so healing? Wow. Um, my dad my dad expressed things that I didn't even know he was really capable of expressing. Um, and I, my heart needed that so much. Um... So then we moved on, right? Now now life is back to normal. And so that happened. I was 22 years old. So when I was 28, my mom sees this massage therapist who's also a psychic medium. It was around my birthday. And I asked my mom for my birthday for a gift certificate to see that a uh, psychic massage therapist. Mm -hmm. And so she asked me who who would you like to come through? Like who who are you hoping that I'm getting so excited. <laughs> yeah. Who, she was like, who are you hoping that 
um, the massage therapist channels. And I'm like, I don't really know. I, I At that time, the only person I knew that had died were my two grandmas. So I was like, you know what? I was like, maybe someone from Brazil. Like, maybe I'll finally get to talk to someone from Brazil, like, through this medium. It's just, like, really shows you how my family, we are. Um, and Tonyelle, my older sister, starts screaming again. So, remember, she's nonverbal. So, like, when she has something to say, it's just, like, a wail of, like, hey, listen mm-hmm. to me. Um, so, she types out on her computer that she has um, Anna on Facebook. And I'll explain who Anna is. So get out your notebooks so yes. you can keep <laughs> trapping. <laughs> Sorry. Start mapping people. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is a story of how my parents wound up with me, a little Brazilian baby. So Anna came to help my mom. Um, my sister... is and was full care with her disability so my mom needed some help so she had Anna who was Brazilian and Anna's sister-in-law in in Brazil was an uh, OBGYN so Anna overheard my parents having a conversation about adopting my mom was having trouble conceiving so Anna came to my mom and said, I hope it's okay that I overheard you. My sister-in-law in Brazil is an OBGYN. Would you mind if me? I just let her know that, you know, you're looking to adopt. You never know. And me, and so the doctor's name is Gizani. So Anna's sister-in-law, the doctor in Brazil, her name is Gizani. And Gizani doesn't do adoption. Like, she's a doctor. <laughs> But my mom was like, yeah, like, no problem. Like, it's okay that you overheard. Like, sure, do whatever, do whatever. Um, Not thinking that anything would come of it. Simultaneously that this is going on. Back in the 80s. Jazani has, back in the 80s, Jazani has a patient who is pregnant with me. Mm-hmm. Uh... And I'll get more into that side of the story. But anyway, through this, through Anna feeling uncomfortable, but still asking my parents anyway, like, hey, can I throw this out there? That's how I was adopted. So I always think, like, if Anna was like, oh, that's none of my business, like, I shouldn't say anything. Or if she was somewhere I would else have a co- in the house or, you know. Yeah. Or if she was in the bathroom when that happened, I would have a completely different life that's so insane yeah the butterfly effect exactly exactly uh okay so back in the kitchen and i asked for this gift certificate and tonyelle starts screaming and says i'm friends with anna on facebook she was like send send anna a message to talk to jazani so that's what I did. I found Anna on Tonyelle's Facebook and I sent her a message asking if Jazani is on Facebook. And she said, yeah. And she sent me Jazani's Facebook and I sent Jazani a message like, hey, you delivered me 28 years ago. I just want to thank you. Oh, also, did she not just delivered me? 
I lived in her house. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, are you going to say not? She didn't just deliver you. Right. So her and her husband kind of were like uh, foster parents, kind of, while my adoption was being finalized. Because Brazil had a real hard time allowing for an American family to adopt uh, a Brazilian baby. They didn't like the idea. Um, they wanted to give me priority to a Brazilian family. My mom had to go down Braz to Brazil with a little yellow word-to-word -word dictionary from Portuguese to English and try to navigate the court systems. That's crazy. That's so yeah. crazy. Talk yeah, about so a dream chaser. Your mom is a right. dream chaser. My mom is such a dream chaser. Um, and like, I, it blows my mind. Like, I don't know how anyone booked a plane ticket, how anyone like got directions or whatever without, yeah. without the internet. And my mom literally acquired a human being from another country with no <laughs> internet. <laughs> uh, <Wow>. I don't know. <laughs> um, so Jazani messages me back. Oh, actually, she doesn't message me back. And I'm like, hmm, okay, whatever. And then my mom messages her and says, hey, and they were friends. Like, they really, even though neither of them kind of spoke the same language, they had this, like, really funny, like, energetic friendship of just, like, they loved each other so much. And then mm -hmm. because there was no internet, as soon as Jazani moved and had a new phone number, they didn't talk for 20-something years. <laughs> um. So they were, uh, they were so excited, um, to connect on Facebook. And my mom said to Jazani, like, you can message Ali back. Like, it's okay. I guess she wanted to like respect any mm -hmm. boundary that, um, she might've had. So after that, Jazani's Jazani messaged me right away and what, <laughs> and she's a really funny, uh, just like say it like it is kind of person. And she was like, um, hey, it's nice to talk to you. Do you want me to find your biological mother for you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hello, that's it. Not even like, hey, hello. <laughs> right, exactly. And I mean, my mind was like kind of going there, but not really. So I asked my parents, like, hey, what do you think about this? And they were like, you're old enough. We're, you know, at this point, we've done a lot of healing. And they were like, yeah, you should do it. So, and this is where Betty starts getting the play-by-play. -play. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm calling her and like, oh my God, like this doctor is going to help me find my biological mother. So what Jazani did was call a local radio station. And in Brazil, the um, in this small, small, small town that I was born in, um, there's like a car that drives around that has like the radio blasting. <laughs> the whole town hears the the radio. Jazani <laughs> calls her friend at the radio station and says, "Hey, can you tell can you tell your listeners that if anybody knows Elizabethche and her last name, uh, to call the radio station." And you're calling me, telling me this, and I'm like. What are the odds? Me too. Me too. I mean, because I didn't know anything about the town and how small it was and that the car drives around and plays the radio. Yeah, exactly. Like, we didn't know any of that. Kizani <laughs> runs this segment on the local radio station and Elizabeth Che calls in minutes. 
in minutes. So all in the same day, then Jazani messaged me, me back and was like, uh, your mother's waiting to hear from you. Here's her phone number. Here's her address. Here's her Facebook. Uh, and all of this. It was funny, too, because in college, I was home visiting and I was like looking for my diploma in my mom's office and I found all my adoption papers. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I saw my biological mother's name, mm-hmm. how old she was when I was born and whatever. So I would go on Facebook all the time and just type in her name. Yeah. And I would. And there's it's a like a really con- there's like four last names in Brazil. <laughs> so <laughs> so there was like literally thousands of people with that name. She sent me her Facebook and I I was in school and even my students kind of knew what was going on. They knew I was adopted uh, and my my older students kind of knew what was going on. Uh, And I told like I had the email. I was like, I'm not going to open it until the end of the day because I'm not going to be able to focus and do my job. So at three o'clock, I had like all these little faces in the window of my classroom door, (laughs) like waiting for me to open up, open it up and see her picture. In school, in my classroom, when I saw my biological mother's face for the first time. It's hard to describe how I felt. Um, It was. It was. Really exciting, I think. Um. She only speaks Portuguese, so I was sending messages through Google Translate. Like, I would translate them in Google Translate and then copy and paste them into the Facebook Messenger. Um, And so that night I learned that I had a brother and two sisters, um, a million cousins. Like, I'm related to half of the town. My, uh, My biological mother was one of seven or is one of seven. Uh, so there's lots of uncles and cousins and mm-hmm. second cousins and like all over town. Um, so I had literally like the first night, like 15 Brazilians <laughs> messaging me on Facebook <laughs> and I'm like trying to keep, keep up with all the messages. Uh, and it, it was just like, oh my God, like pinching myself. Like, I can't believe that I'm talking to the person who owns the womb that I uh-huh grew in uh and it was just really 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 surreal and so we were talking every day for a few days and spring break was right around the corner and one day elizabeth che said to me um she was like i'm so afraid that you were gonna hate me mm-hmm. and she said she explained the whole reason that I was placed. So basically she was on and off again with a scumbag guy and she was a live in housekeeper uh, for a wealthier family in the area. And her both her parents had passed away. So she was pretty young when she was orphaned. Like um, maybe 16. Both her parents had died. Um, So she was living as a a domestic worker in this woman's house when the her boss found out that she was 
pregnant and she was having some complications too. She was in a lot of pain. Um, she, the woman, her boss took her to Jazani, who was an OBGYN. So that's the other, the flip side to the story I was telling before. And her boss said, like, I care about you and everything, but I need you to work. If you're going to have a newborn baby, I have no, I can't keep you on. Um, and so she had no family to help her. She would have been homeless if she had kept me. She already had another daughter who her maternal grandmother was raising. No, paternal grandmother. So the, my sister's grandmother on her Mm -hmm. dad's side was, was raising her. So basically she had also not been able to care for a child she already has. That it was the hardest decision of her life and that she was depressed for Mm -hmm. a long time after my birth. And it was nothing, nothing like how it was described for me. It wasn't, she didn't want you. She didn't, like, it was the hardest, hardest thing this woman ever did. And she said as soon as she heard that announcement on the radio that she knew exactly what it was. That there wasn't a question in her mind. She knew exactly Uh what it was and that she was waiting 28 years for this day. She was like, for 28 years, I didn't know if you hated me. And I just like, as soon as she told me and revealed that whole story to me, I said to my, I said to my mom and dad, like, I have spring break in two weeks or whatever it was. Um. I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to Brazil and I'm going to meet her. And my parents were totally supportive. My mom even came with me. I tried to get Betty to come too. but yeah. <laughs> Layla was really small and it was going to yeah, be Layla. hard. Yeah, Layla was just a little baby. Um, yeah. And... I think I at that I was really nervous. I wanted Betty kind of as like a buffer because it's like a little bit of a tense situation that you're you're gonna meet the woman who birthed you with the woman who raised you. Yeah, and I was I was a little bit nervous about that, and that's I think I wanted Betty as like you as like a security blanket, mm-hmm. which I wound up which not needing. No, but I was either way <laughs> through text message. You didn't need. Yes, yeah. But I was there. Yeah, no, you were. And you were so great every step of the way. My mom and I flew to Brazil and... No, no, but you're like dismissing how you got a passport, you did everything, drove to the oh, city. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so the closest consulate to where I live in New Jersey is in New York City. So I took the day off work. And drove into the city to go and get my visa. So when I went and got my visa, they said, no, like you're a dual citizen. So you can't Mm -hmm. travel to Brazil with a visa. You need a Brazilian passport. They're like, come back tomorrow with different paperwork. So I took the next day off of work again um, because Mm -hmm. I needed to get this stuff done because spring break is right around the corner. And so I go and I'm standing in line and this is the Brazilian passport line. So 
all these people in line with me are Brazilian native. So everyone's speaking Portuguese. And when it's my turn to go up there, the woman obviously starts talking to me in Portuguese. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I don't speak Portuguese. And she looked at me like I was crazy. Like, how do you Mm -hmm. not speak Portuguese and you're applying for your Brazilian passport? That doesn't make any sense. So I start explaining to her that I was adopted from when I was a baby. I'm trying to go back for the first time. And she looks at my paperwork. She's like, this is this is not the right paperwork. It has the wrong last name. And I'm like, well, this is the only paperwork that I have. She's like, okay, well, you're going to have to get somebody to pick it up from the municipal building from the town you were born in. I'm like, how how am I going <laughs> to, like, what? Communicate that. Yeah. How am I supposed to communicate that when I'm not even really sure what it is that I need? And I was like, then I started crying. I'm just like, I'm never going to go to Brazil. Like, this is it. Like, if I can't go with my American passport, if I can't get a Brazilian passport, I'm never, I'm never going. So I don't know if it was like a manager or who it was, but this guy comes out like I'm sobbing in this consulate, which is consulate sounds like a really fancy word, but it's just like a DMV. (laughs) And, (laughs) uh, And so... He's like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you a temporary six-month passport. You need to go to Brazil. You need to get that paper, and you need to come back, and you need to apply for your uh, regular, not uh-huh. temporary passport. So it was just like a miracle, and I was like, oh, my God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And a couple weeks later, my mom and I were on a plane to Brazil, and... Where my biological family lives, it's not a big city, so it was a hike. So it was a (laughs) 10-hour flight to San Paulo, then a connecting flight to a really small town that I the name is not even coming to me right now, and then a few-hour drive. So Jazani wound up picking us up from the airport, and we had a hotel, and Jazani was like, you're not staying in a hotel, which is like one hotel in the town. (laughs) The hotel. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so we wound up staying in Jazani's friend's house with Jazani because Jazani had moved up more north in Brazil. Um, and so after all of this travel, Jazani um, invited all these ladies who like held me and knew me when I was a baby staying at Jazani's house to like come look, see what I look like now. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we mentioned this before, but it's. You know, you mentioned how Jazani was kind of like a foster parent for you, but it's it's absurd that back then she was like, no, no, it's okay. Like the adoption's going to go through. I'll just take this baby to my house. I'll just take this baby that I delivered to my house. Yeah. <laughs> like, give it to me. Yeah, yeah, that's probably not how it would work. So this is so crazy. So one of the ladies, when she she told us that when – my mom was having a hard time with the adoption and for a little while it looked like it wasn't go going through. She was like, I was going to take you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like that was another like almost mom. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was just really, really wild. And so after I met, so then I thought, okay, like I guess I'm hanging out with all these ladies and then tomorrow I'll go meet my biological family because it's late now. And we had just been traveling, like, 
a lot. <laughs> Trains, planes, and automobiles. Yeah. It was, it was a lot. And I looked like I just rolled out of a plane uh, for, 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 you know, how many ever hours it was. She's like, you're going to go let, like, get in the car. I'll drop you off. <laughs> She's on. <laughs> I think like Giovanni is very, she's a character. She's very like matter of fact and just like, you know, just like how she was like, okay, I'll find your biological mother for you. Like, okay, get in the car. I'm going to take you. Yeah. Just like how she was like, I'll just take this baby. (laughs) (laughs) So not a lot of discussion around it. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, she's the boss. Let's go. So we pull up to the house and I didn't know how long it was going to take to get there, but it was like three turns <laughs> and they were and we were there. It is a super small town. And uh, she's standing outside of the house and I get out of the car and it's dark. I can't even see her very well. And she's just screaming and crying and like, holds me, holds me, holds me. And um, she pulls me into the house and then she she's hugging my hugging my mom and like saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Obrigada. 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 In in Portuguese. And, um, you know, she pulls us in the house and I meet my uh, half brother and sister um, who I I've been talking to my I had a little I have a little sister and I had been talking to her a lot. And uh, I walk in the house and her husband is like, oh, so which which soccer team do you like, like Brazil or the U.S.? I'm like, whatever you want me to like, I like Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Betty, this is so cute. So they they made dinner for us. And I guess they waited for us to have dinner because it was late. And they waited for me to come have dinner and they like presented us with a bottle of Coca-Cola because that's American. <laughs> <laughs> I love them in their little town. Yeah. <laughs> and so they like they went and like got it out from outside so it would have stayed cold and whatever. And they were like American and like holding up this bottle of Coke. <laughs> and like And was it uncomfortable like how you thought it was gonna be? No. No, Betty, it was no discomfort. First of all, I don't think a stranger off the street would have been uncomfortable in these people's house. They are the warmest, nicest, friendliest people. I was also a little nervous because they're evangelists. And I thought like maybe they would be, I had like some bias, I guess. And I was like, well, maybe they're like homophobic or like hateful or like weird because they're so religious so that was like a bias that I had coming in and something I was nervous about um and they did wind up taking me to church which was the funniest fun thing ever (laughs) the pastor in that church is just like another like so over dramatic and like I can't understand what they're saying and all I can see her is like preaching and like like trying to force a tear out, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so my biological mother is really petite, and I'm not like I'm a curvy, uh, you know, pretty tall woman, and she's a tiny, tiny, tiny little thing. And all she kept doing was pulling me to sit on her lap so she could hold me like a baby that was a little bit uncomfortable because <laughs> i'm like i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna smush her <laughs> uh 
And you got your hug and touch there. Oh, All that hug and touch you've been wanting. A hundred percent. I always tell people like in, in anybody's house you could go to in my biological family houses they have like all these big sectional couches and if there's even plenty of room everyone's sit squished right next to each other like everybody's yeah like there could be a big couch with plenty of room and everyone's like right on top of each other I love it yeah and all she kept doing looking at my fingers and looking at my toes and just kind of inspecting me like you would to your newborn baby like check if everything is perfect right I had the best experience and then I went back again in the summer. I haven't been back since um, because I need to do what that person said and get my passport renewed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But but now I have everything I need to get my my full passport that they would give any other citizen. Did you, while while you were in the town, did you hear that radio car thing? Yes, yeah. So, yeah, I saw it. I saw it. I was like, oh, like that's they were saying, like, if anybody knows Elizabeth, like, please call. Like, that's where somebody who knows her was like, hey, like, you need to call the radio station. Um, so yeah, it was such a beautiful experience. It uh, one of the best parts was seeing my my American mom and my Brazilian mom interact and some people always ask, Oh, was your mom jealous? And no, she wasn't jealous at all. Love is not finite. You know, it's not like if you give love to someone else, you need to take some away from somewhere else. Like our Mm -hmm. hearts are, our hearts are ever expanding and there's room for, always room for one more for two more for 10 more for a whole brazilian family that you discover um yeah yeah the abundant yeah there is plenty of room for abundant love yeah i still talk to them on facebook still learning a little bit of portuguese now i know like you know the stuff that everyone says in the beginning of a con- like hello i love you i miss you like i could do all of that without google translate mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And I I always like something that was funny to me is remember when you would send me because she's doing the same thing. She's typing something into Portuguese, getting it translating, getting it translated and sending it back. And it was always like quirky. And, you know, Google Translate isn't perfect. Right. No. So there was always like funny little. And I wonder what I mean, I'm sure they understood, but the same thing was probably happening with you. You're translating into Portuguese, but it's not a perfect translation. So it's like, yeah, I can't even think of an example now. But um, yeah, there was like those. It's that miscommunication. But um, and just the, the way they talk. And- just like they talk with so much passion and so much love, like. Like, my darling daughter, I can't wait to see you and have you in my arms. I yearn for you every day to be back with me. And it's just, like, very intense, very passionate (laughs) way of speaking. I first started messaging my biological brother. I'm like, I don't speak Portuguese. I use Google Translate. And he starts laughing. He's like, yeah, I know. I can tell. (laughs) So so God only knows what what weird translations they were getting. (laughs) Yeah. And when you, um, so, you know, in episode three, you talk a lot about how when you move, when you were living in Miami, (laughs) when 
you know, people would rec- it was the first time you were in Miami. People recognized that you were Portuguese, you were Brazilian and mm-hmm. you hid behind the hostess stand and cried of happiness. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but when you were in Brazil, when you were in the town you came from, were you like, Oh, this is why they thought. Yeah. So I thought about that a lot. I looked at everybody's bot. I'm like, how, like, what about me? Could they like pin me like that? And I think one of it is like the shape of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so Braz- a lot of Brazilians and like in the region that I was in, because there's like Afro Brazilians and all kinds yeah. of Brazilians. Um, there's some Brazilians that look more Hispanic. There's some that look white. There's some that look black. Um, so, but in the area that I was born in, it's really white Brazilians. I was inspecting everybody <laughs> and it is like really curvy, curvaceous women, like, you know, that hourglass. I think that's why, you know, there's a, like, there's a stereotype of like the sexy, sexy Brazilian and a lot of like full lips and I have really full lips um Mm -hmm. and uh even my biological mother's husband said like look at her body it's brazilian Um, yeah so uh so yeah Yeah. uh it was just it fit and and at the same time it's like it fits and i'm comfortable here but this is not my life yeah definitely it's it's a part of me. It's a part of my identity, but it felt, everything felt so right. You felt right. Okay. I got that experience. This is where I came from. And now it's time to go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was such a healing, beautiful experience that I'm to have. And my mom here in New Jersey says to me, how's your mom? Aww. I. And my mom in Brazil will text me and be like, how's, how's your mom? And that's so beautiful. uh, Yeah. It's just a lot of love and support. And I, I really have the luckiest adoption story. Um, I've heard other people's stories and, you know, they're not as, they're not as seamless. There's a lot more hurt and a lot more pain and not, not like my whole journey was, cupcakes and rainbows um but really in the in the long run it really was it really was i have such a privileged life i have the most amazing parents i have the most amazing biological parent and family and for everyone to be open and accepting yeah i don't take for granted how how lucky i am for that i'm so happy ellie and I, I mean, hearing, I could hear the story a thousand times and I always get <laughs> as excited. Um, I can, like I said, this story for me, I loved being part of it. Thank you for making me a part of it while it was happening. Um, it, Thank you for being there for me. Like you, just the way that you are and you're some, such an empathetic person um that the parts that I was like jumping down and excited for like you were just as excited for like as if it was happening for yourself and I well, think happening like, to a sister of mine so it just felt like and I knew how important it was for you oh my god I'm crying <laughs> you didn't even cry and I'm crying yeah no. so it just and it was just so cool how it happened it all of this so that story that you just said from 
Tony L in the kitchen to you screaming and hugging your mom in the lawn happened within like what, like not even 20 days. Like all of that was like, yeah, no, because my birthday is March 5th, which is Tuesday, this Tuesday. Yeah. So make sure, make sure you Instagram me or Facebook me and say happy birthday. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, March 5th. Um, so it was my birthday that I, I brought this whole thing up. And spring break was like the last week in March. So it wasn't even a month from uh, that moment in the, in my parents. Yeah. Yeah. It all happened. Boom, boom, boom. One after another, after 28 years of like radio silence. Yeah. It all happened in when it was supposed to, how it was supposed to. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, Ali, how, I know you're very inspired and just, I guess, just give a quick tidbit, quick talk about how this has inspired research you've done, papers you've written in your master's and how, how is this going to affect you going forward? So I'm a little bit obsessed with um, the research behind maternal separation, mm -hmm. which I had to step back from at certain points of my mm -hmm. life because it wasn't good for my self-care and it was I was kind of like pathologizing myself that I'm like every adverse thing that's ever happened to me is tied yeah. to this maternal <laughs> separation I spilled Betty's coffee because of this <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly um but it's I do a lot of in my internship I do a lot of family work um, so the way that I approach psychotherapy is from a family systems perspective, which means that I believe that most things, most issues that my clients are going through, not always, but a lot of the time, we can trace back to experiences they had in their family of origin. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that I'm, and there's, it's really not the newest mode of therapy. There's a lot newer models and I integrate other things, but, um, Bowen's family systems theory, I think I'm so into it because yes. of my experiences yes. with family. Absolutely. Um, and it, and it's really, uh, a model that really helps the frame the work I do in individual sessions with clients. I think just like we learn language and how to walk, uh, we learn other things too. Like if you have a really anxious parent, you learn anxiety. Mm -hmm. If you have, you're right. And um, also, you know, layer attachment on that. And of course, like attachment and adoption go hand in hand. Hand in hand. Yeah. You know what I was just thinking? I, it just occurred to me, we mentioned about... Um, how if she wasn't there in the kitchen that day and heard your mom talking about potentially adopting, then your life would have been different. If Tonielle hadn't heard you say, maybe somebody from Brazil, maybe none right. of this would have happened. So it was, that's pretty cool. I didn't even like make those two connections. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think about that all like in my adoption, if a hundred little things went any differently, if the judge really stuck to his guns and was like, no, she goes with a Brazilian family, that's mm -hmm. it, which the judge had the power to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if a Brazilian family had stepped up, they would have gotten priority. Yeah. 
your Brazil mom's parents wouldn't have died. Yeah. So it's just like the universe will will really blow your mind here. And and I mean, not just me, anyone can do that with any circumstance in their life. Like how we were talking about how we wound up at college at the same time. If a, if a, if a million little things didn't line up the way that they did, our lives would have been completely yeah. different. But the way that it lined up for you is so beautiful, so seamless. And I'm so happy you shared it. It's one of my favorite stories of all the stories I know is your adoption story, your education you, story, the way it's how your life has changed everything. I, I, I love that story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for loving it so much. It makes me love you. <laughs> that you love my story. Thank you. Um, I hope our <laughs> listeners loved it. Well, I love you for more reasons than I know, that. I know, I <laughs> know, but it's just, it's such a beautiful, I love hearing it. Like I said, I could hear it a million times. But now we have it on a podcast, so I can hear it whenever I want. <laughs> so literally, next time you ask for the story, be like, you could just refer to episode six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um anything else i'm trying to think anything else that's yeah missing? i think that's really yeah it. and anything else that's missing just write it in your memoir in the future and yes <laughs> and we get to read other little details i'm thinking of a few things but yeah. i think we've said in like a, a good amount um and yeah you can share so, keep watch for my for my book that I'll write yes. one day. <laughs> so is it time for what the people need to know? It's time for the people need to know. Woo! All right. So, Ali, what do people need to know this week? Okay. So, like I said, it is my birthday in March. It's also Betty's birthday in March. And for... Uh, I said this on the Instagram, so if you're subscribed there or you're following us there, you already heard this. If not, our birthday wish, and because we've given you all this content for free, and it is a lot of work, um, we have something to ask of our DCNCM community, and that is to make a donation to Together Rising. Together Rising is an organization that donates every single penny to different causes um, throughout the year. So around the holidays, it's a lot of taking care of families that, you know, can't do a nice Christmas or uh, give their kids gifts. Um, They helped with the refugee crisis uh, in Syria. And the founder of the organization, Glennon Doyle, does not take a salary. So it's really a passion project. And they pledge that every penny goes directly to relief efforts. And what they're working on right now is reunification uh, with families at the Mexicali border. So they're working with 29 families who've been separated from their children. And the paperwork got really messy. And... You know, people were confused about where their kids were, that they went, they flew home to their countries of origins and found that their kids were in, out of this world, they were in detention centers in Mm. the U.S. So um, our birthday wish is for you to make a donation 
as comfortable a size that's comfortable for you to Together Rising, you can go to www.togetherrising.org slash gift and make your tax donate uh, tax deductible donation. And that is my and Betty's birthday yeah, and wish. If, you, if that, if Ali's story of paperwork in New York City and trying to reunify touched your heart in any way, you know, this is a way to, yeah. oh, yeah, you're this right. This is a way to, um, give to people who are kind of, they're going through similar things in not such a seamless way. So, yeah. Well, I, not even going through a similar thing. It's like, I was, I was so stressed out in that situation and crying and hysterical, but I had a home yeah, to go to. Right. I know where my parents are. So imagine, imagine not knowing. So if you've ever been frustrated at the DMV or doing any kind of paperwork, just have some empathy and think if you or someone you love was in that scary, horrible, traumatic situation and even like $5, anything, anything you can do. Um, you can also do donate through our Facebook page. The link is up there. So if you follow us on Facebook, um, that's also DCNCM. If you search that, you can find the link there. Perfect. Thank you, Ali. You're welcome. Betty, what do the people need to know from you? What people need to know from me is the show to watch is Working Moms. I don't know why I've been mentioning so many shows lately. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know that you watch Working Moms. I just started and I'm obsessed. Oh my god, I love it. Oh, I love working moms too. I love it. I'm I'm only like three or four episodes in, but literally Oh, I finished. Okay. I have to catch up. I paused watching Parenthood for this, but literally every episode, everything I'm like, I've done that. That's me. I did that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Cause I'm a working mom. Um, but it's and so many of the episodes, you're watching it with such secondhand embarrassment that you're like, "Whoa, why are they doing this? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. It's so weird. But I love it. <laughs> but good. But I love it. Yeah, me too. And also, the people need to know, uh, we're creating some journaling pages for you all. And our first free journaling page is now available. So if you go to our website, www.dreamchasersandchangemakers.com and enter your email, after you confirm, you're going to receive this PDF file to download. It's an awesome page. It's great journaling material. And I would love if everybody uh, went to do that right now and took a look at it. And if you start working on it, uh, send us either pictures of you working on it, the space you use to work on it. If you have any feedback, let us know. We'd love to hear it. So it, this is a really great tool to get you focused on your dreams and allow you to process what roadblocks you're facing. So please go do that. Yes, if you like free stuff. Yes, absolutely. And we know you do. <laughs> um, head over to the website and snag that template. All you have to do is enter your email and then confirm it. Um, so as always, if you're enjoying Dream Chasers and Changemakers, the podcast, the biggest thing you can do to help us out is write a review. Free. Please, review. please. <laughs> also free. <laughs> uh, so 
really, really, really um, the biggest thing that you can do to help us out um, and helps us grow our audience is to write us a review, share us with your friends, um, and get involved in our online community. We're DC and CM across all social media. So... As always, also, if you tell us about a dream you're chasing, we will read it on a future episode. So get busy in those reviews. Thank you. And in the words of Ayana Van Zant, it's important that we share our experiences with other people. Your story will heal you, and your story will heal somebody else. When you tell your story, you free yourself and give other people permission to acknowledge their own story. Bye. Bye. Bye.